0: Hello and welcome to Pick and Pod. I'm Tyler Freire alongside Reed Horner. We got a great edition, a holiday edition of Pick and Pod for you today. Uh, how you doing today, Reed? I'm great on this eve of Christmas Eve. Yeah, man. we got a lot that of great stuff sense. to talk about. So on the eve of the eve, as you, as you say. Eve squared. <laughs> eve squared. So I just wanted to get uh, right into it. So, not, not to waste any time. So let's just start with the Knicks. Actually, no. Let's start with the Nets, the the worst of the of the two New York teams right now. Um, they're struggling right now, to say the least. Uh, they're sitting last in the Eastern Conference at seven and twenty-one. I'm a beat reporter for Brooklyn Nets for WFUV, and being in those locker rooms have has been pretty tough. Uh, Kenny Atkinson is not happy with their defense, although they have seen a bunch of injuries. Uh, with the the main one being Jeremy Lin being out for a month and a half for a hamstring. It's just I think this team has lived up to the bad expectations that uh, people predicted. I mean, Vegas had them last coming in, and right now it doesn't seem like they can turn away from that. Yeah, well, you're not wrong in everything you say. I think Brooke Lopez has been their one-shotting
1: light, averaging 20.6 points per game, 46% field goal, 35.3 from three-point shot, and 83 from the free throw line. I think he – this is the biggest tragedy of the Nets team is I think he's a top five big man in the league and in his prime right now, but the Nets, as you said, have nothing around him. Exactly, to, and,
0: it's, and, and it's been like that for a couple of years now, which it's it's sad to say that he's been a top-tier big man in this league, and he, like you said just before, he's extending his range, and he's evolving to this new this new way the, of the NBA
1: and the and, way they're playing. And, and, and the one thing I'll criticize about their team or the coaching style is that they have a – they're void of any kind of ball movement, so much so that the crazy thing is Jeremy Lin, who you said has been out a month and a half, month and a half, is yeah. still leads the team in assists per game average. And that I and think, that is disgusting. The fact he's been gone that long and still holds that average is that they don't move the ball.
0: I was just gonna say that uh, they brought in Sean Marks, who was a San Antonio product, and uh, a lot of people figured he'll bring that system to this to this uh, Brooklyn Nets team, but with the lack of a point guard, it just it hasn't translated to wins. And um with Jeremy Lynn being out, Isaiah Whitehead has been um the person they've looked to and Sean Kilpatrick to to step in that role as starting point guard. Kilpatrick I like. I like him a lot and actually I've had some personal um uh uh experiences with him. He was actually a member at my gym by my school in um by my house actually over the summer. I I seen him there playing pickup a bunch of times. Didn't say anything to them uh to them then, but I don't know. I just think it's not the future for the Nets. They they signed him to a small contract. and He's not the future. He could definitely be a piece, but he's piece. not the future. Exactly. No, he'll be a piece. And I just think, like you said, you got to find shooters to surround Brook Lopez with. Like, if you look at the team with, with Brooklyn that uh, made the playoffs with Paul Pierce, when um, he was still kind of fresh off of coming out of Boston and still had some basketball left to be played, they— uh, They had Darren Williams, who was still a a top-tier point guard. So I think the point guard position is very crucial. For Yeah, well, I look look at the
1: team. I have good aspects, bad aspects, kind of did a little research, maybe, because I get paid for it. (laughs) I looked at Lopez, and honestly, the value he is for them right now is he's either a really good trade piece or he's a really good piece to attract a free agent, right? Because that's the only way they're going to get talent to this team because... Well, I'll get into my bad aspects soon, but they also play in a popular city. At least they're not in Milwaukee or a small market, although those don't really exist in the NBA anymore. Brooklyn, New York City, that is still something you can sell that's easier than maybe in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And like you said earlier, Kilpatrick, Lynn, who I believe is actually shown to be really good, and Booker, they've all shown promise
0: and would be great role players
1: on a championship level team, you know? See,
0: you bring up a lot of good points because— they have a lot of players that can fill, like you said, the be the role type players on a championship level team. Tevin Booker, he's playing great, rebounding the ball, playing defense. Uh, Ronde Hollis Jefferson have seen some bright spots. Uh he has length, you know, he's and he's young. And he's young, exactly. They got some young pieces there, which I just think they can't move forward unless they have that that star, which I don't I don't think Brooke is a star anymore. And since they lost Joe Johnson, it's just they're searching for that star, and they don't have it right now. And it's showing they're, they're less last in in the East. They're a team of really good backups. Pretty yeah. much that, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they don't. And this the funny thing. Before we get to the Knicks,
1: what really messed them up was that trade they got with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, whatever. Worst trade in the history. Celtics own their history so much so that listen us how crazy this is. Their next first round draft pick most likely is fifteen years old right now because they don't have their first they don't have a first pick until two thousand nineteen. And
0: think about that trade. It was <laughs> you're you're trading for an aging Paul Pierce and an aging Kevin Garnett and Billy King is uh <laughs> he's not with the Nets anymore for um the right reasons. But they, they made a mistake. They tried to make it too much big of a splash, and we we all know the story. We know the story, but moving on. Let's 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 uh. Let's go to the Knicks now because they have more positives surrounding them. They, uh, they sit right now fifth in the Eastern Conference, if I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah, fifth. 16 and 16-13. and 16-13, which compared to Brooklyn, this team is playing a lot better than a lot of people expected. Derrick Rose, even though he missed a couple games with, a, with the back spasms, has stayed healthy. He, you know, he only missed a couple games due to that and has since come back and played very well. I know they played the Pistons the other night when they were down 15 early in the fourth. And I'm thinking to myself, like the old kind of, the old kind of Knicks team in like the late two thousands, they would have just folded and lost that game. But they're down fifteen against a good Pacers team, come back and win. And I just think they're finding ways to win those type of games now, which is shows their record why they're sitting fifth in the East. Yeah, the Knicks have a lot to smile about. Fans have a lot to smile about. They have four players
1: averaging double digits in points. Porzingis continued to show I'm ready to say that he's their franchise Oh, I'm right future. with you on that, too, man. Right with you. Um, I think I was talking to Christian Goey, a Big Knicks, Knicks, fan. Knicks beat reporter as yeah. well. He said that he thinks Porzingis should make the all-star team this year. I don't know if he will or not, but he definitely is in that conversation, which means they made the right choice. Yeah. Um, Brandon Jennings. For he's this he's playing guy, r- great. Leads the team in assists. He's proven to be a great sixth man. I think that's something they can be excited about. And... Um, Hernan Gomez. Herman Gomez. Herman. Go- I always have a hard time saying his name. But <laughs> he's really shown, I think, to be not only unexpected talent, but someone who can really develop into a nice big man.
0: Oh, 100%. I think so, yeah. And he played with Kristaps in Spain when they were both teenagers, so, you know, that's a little chemistry. They're still both. I mean, they're not teenagers, but they're still both really young. Kristaps is 20, and I think he's 20 also. Like, so it's like they're, they're very young. And just to build off your point about Kristaps being the future, I'm a Knicks fan at heart, and I think – I think he's the future, without a doubt. He's a twenty and ten type player down the road. I can just, I can see his body developing. He's seven so, three, seven, a solid seven three. Not like any, you know. Sometimes the not seven three heels. Exactly. Not, the NBA likes to, likes to uh, emphasize the height, but sometimes. But he's he's a legit superstar for this team. And between me and you, I know things are going great. And everyone listening. And everyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend like. Uh, they're not but I'm kidding. Uh I just think we should we should trade the Carmelo Anthony. That's, that's, trade that's him? that's that's my bold statement of Why? the end of 2016. I just think right now they're trying to make him this uh the number 1 player on this team when I don't think he's a number 1 player on a team anymore. I think he would do better in a situation with a championship contender that um that he doesn't have to score every play, but even though Chris Ortusengus and D Rose are taking the load off him a bit, I just think um it's a little bold statement. I'm just gotta throw it out there. I just think they would do better if they were to trade him, even though they sit fifth in the in the in the East. What do you think? I think Melo is exactly
1: where he wants to be. Yeah. What you say makes sense for the Knicks as an organization. But I think if that's what Melo wanted, Melo would already be in that position. I think Melo's happy with what he is. He's
0: still the alpha dog. Yeah. And the Knicks are finally. Competitive, Yeah, to see, like, I just want to throw it out there just to see what you thought, but they are sitting fifth in the East, and with this team constructed the way it is, they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not yeah, going to fall back and say they're not. I think they can make the playoffs. This is the biggest that. problem I've had with the Knicks team. Well, first, let me just talk about Kristoff, the
1: unicorn. His <laughs> development as a superstar. When you look at a player like him or any player coming into the league, if you look just purely at the numbers they put up, that may not be indicative of what their career will go like. I like, to know, I like to see how they improve, but also the way in which they score. So if they score 20 points a game, but have a 34% field goal percentage, that just tells me they're taking a lot of shots. And once they join a team that's good, they can't score like that. Kristoff, 19.9 points per game, but he is 45% from the field, from the field and 40 from three. At seven three, that is amazing. Seventy-eight from the free throw line. That all tells me consistent. I can get it done on every place in the court. And at his size, being able to hit a three-point shot opens up his game everywhere else because then they need to worry about that and they can't play off of him. Seven point six rebounds. He does definitely needs to to gain weight and he gain a little weight. Yeah, definitely. So we can get that up to about Ten to eleven rebounds a game, but that may also come once someone like Carmelo Anthony eventually leaves. Once they transition to it being more his team, you I know? think.
0: I think they are. That's why I kind of threw that statement out there about trading Melo, because I think that's where the Knicks are heading now. They're they're in the transition period of this going to be Kristaps' team because the way he's playing, he's showing tremendous upside. Like you said, it's the rebounding. Even though he needs to get bigger, he's still averaging seven and a half twenty points. He's blocking shots every every game. He's playing really aggressive and on the defensive end. I just think to move forward as a franchise, you have to get rid of that contract from Melo. I know it's a no trade clause and he and he wants to win a championship he's down. And he should realize that he's not gonna get there with the Knicks. So let's hey, let's team up with one of one of the Brotherhood. You know the quote unquote yeah. brotherhood with The banana boat. The banana exactly. yeah, he's not on the banana boat, but but, but I just think he should he should uh consider it. Even though they are playing well, I don't wanna uh hit that point on too much. But I also wanted to talk about Brandon Jennings that you brought up because I watched a lot of Knicks games this year so far. He's picking up point guards full court. He's play, He's in a contract year playing on dirt cheap. I think he's play, playing... A little bit over a million. Which, in the way this NBA is going now, people are getting paid ridiculous numbers. So he was a he was a top 10 draft pick, if I believe. So he has something to prove this year, and he's showing it. And I think the defense that he's playing is, is really great to see. When we talk about
1: Jennings, I think it's not just about the numbers he's putting up. But he's shown that he can change his style of play because when he was with Milwaukee coming into the league, he was a scorer. He was an inefficient, I'm going to make a hoop mixtape, and I'm going to score. And that's yeah. great, right? Yeah. But as I said, he now leads the team in assists. He comes off of the bench. These are completely different roles for him, and he's shown he can do that, which as a GM forming a team really makes me say, you know what, I can bring this guy in, and he's not going to be the black hole he was in the beginning of his career. Side note, one thing about that Go. mellow theory you said about trading him. Go. This is kind of not inside knowledge, but it's kind of counterintuitive To your thought, yes, Melo being gone would allow Porzingis to grow more on the court as a player. But I think what I've seen in the few times I've been able to cover the Knicks is I've seen Melo become a real mentor to Christoph Porzingis because there is something to be said, and LeBron has shown it to be perfectly, of learning how to carry yourself and be a superstar in the NBA on and off the court. Christoph last year, for example, this isn't necessarily good, but it's shown that he's he's learning from Melo and changing. Last year, when you go and you, you you interview players, depends how long it takes them to come into the showers. Christoph would come in right away after the game. Bam, bam, bam. Ten minutes, he's in there. Yeah, Melo would come in forty minutes. He later, takes he takes right? his time, his sweet time. <laughs> what happens now this year, and only really Knicks beat reporters would know this, is Christoph is no longer ten minutes. Him and Melo are the last two to always come in. They come in at the same time. 40 minutes or whatever, and they split up, split the media up, Maybe that's not maybe the best thing and not really nice to but the it, media, sh- but it shows he's Melo's teaching him how to do this,
0: and I, I ju- think that's important too. I was just gonna say that's that's something that's hard to come by because let's say he was drafted to a team with no superstar, with nobody like Melo, he's he's in the NBA. What if he's like Melo, who got drafted to a team with no superstar? You know what I mean? Exactly, he would have been in a much tougher situation. Who knows? Maybe he wouldn't have transitioned as much as he did. He's already averaging twenty points a game. Yeah, and Melo's kind of showing him, hey, I can show you how to be a superstar in the greatest city in the world, the biggest media market in the world. And as a young kid, I mean, it probably was a lot for Christophs and I do appreciate that Melo has stepped up in that role. I because... think he's identifying
1: with Christoph a lot more than people realize. And I think what Mello's trying to do is be the person
0: I think he always wanted. You know? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. But we can be here all day. This is a New York City based uh, podcast, so we could be here all day talking about the Knicks and Nets, but let's uh let's go ahead and transition a little bit to George Carl and what he said about Carmelo Anthony and a couple of his uh, ex-teammates. Um, we talked about this in our, our little pre-production meeting read. Um, yeah. I think it's a little out of line. I'm not going to say what exactly what he said. I mean, I can. <laughs> well, yeah, you can because I'm, I'm going to try to not – I'm just going to say this. He was out of line. I understand you're trying to sell copies. You want your book out there. You want to – Let everyone know what, where this comes from. George Carl's book
1: um, – Basically an autobiography. He released one halfway through his career when he was with Seattle. Now he's out of the league and he decided to release basically a tell-all book, which is fine. Yeah. A lot of people do this. A lot of inflammatory comments, though. Some even called it racist towards a plethora of players and people he's worked with. Mello, Kenyon Martin,
0: and J.R. Smith being some of the most notable. And I think the timing of it is not is not appropriate. I mean, this is the— Timing? I, yeah, I just I just think it's like the heart—we're It's always, we're getting into the heart of the NBA season— and, um, yeah, from a marketing standpoint, if you're selling a book about the NBA, you probably want to sell it, uh, get it out there during the year, during the NBA season. Yeah. But I don't know. I just feel like there's a time and a place for everything. I just, I'm not, I'm not a fond of what he said about these players, although they went to a Western Conference Finals. I remember he said something about Melo being selfish. Um, some, some, someone, something uh, of that sort. And they got to a Western Conference Finals together with a team that had Chauncey Billups, Carmelo and um, J.R. Smith on that team. So yeah, you, you could say what you could say about them, but you know, they helped you win games and I just don't like throwing dirt on their names like that. It's I just, I'm not a fan of well,
1: it. Well, Melo's an odd player, and that's obvious career-wise and probably personality-wise. What this segment or this this story is really about is is the motivation behind Carl and what he said, and then how he said it. I exactly. Think, yeah. I think this book or this outrage is a perfect example to everyone out there too, who's, who's looking to publish anything, to say anything on the radio, or just, just present your opinion in any way. There's a difference between saying the truth, saying what you feel like, and understanding that you can say it in a way that's not disrespectful. That's not even even if that's how you felt, you don't always have to say it like that. So. There's a lot of bad things he said about Melo. Can I give you the, the one quote that everyone's kind of grabbed at that, that that's really outraged them? Yeah, I think I know where you're going. Too, Carl ahead. said, talking about Melo, he was the best offensive player I ever coached. Which is not a bad comment of all. Probably true. Yeah. But then he also went on to say he was also a user of people addicted to the spotlight and very unhappy when he had to share it. Now...
0: That's coming at someone's character, you know. That's why I'm not a fan of it.
1: Well, because I think, again, I think he was being overly dramatic and kind of got caught up in the trying to sell the narrative because the essence of what he's saying I don't think is necessarily wrong. If I take away from this that, you know, Carmelo Anthony, especially 20 years old, whatever, coming into the league, like the spotlight. I understand that. He's a pro athlete that he may have had a hard time adjusting to playing with other superstars or stars. I understand that a lot of players have that thing. The user of people seemed very odd. Because I don't know, he doesn't then uh, uh, kind of really support the user of people thing. And it addicted to the spotlight as opposed to liked or seeked out. It just negative connotations
0: on the words he could use other adjectives for. When you were saying that, it actually made me think about... Um a probably more notable quote that has been circulating in the media, and that's the no father comment did you hear about about that? oh yeah I did hear about it all and um, that yeah that, that see like that's that's one thing that I just think it's not right uh just to give you the quote right here, I know I wasn't gonna give you quotes, but i I gotta give this one it's uh Kenyon and Carmelo carried two big burdens, all that money and no father to show them how to act like a man like you don't have to go ahead and say that in your book about someone who's actually. You know, made 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 something of himself. Yeah, he might not have had a father to to show him how to quote unquote act like a man. Um, so sorry he came into the league when he was nineteen years old and he got all this money. Yeah, maybe it took him some time to to adjust. But look what to, look what he's become. He's built a brand. He's he's helping out kids in New York with multiple foundations. I don't have to express them. I mean, they're all over the place. they they're doing it all the time. And the fact to say that to, he doesn't know how to act like a man because he doesn't have a father, I just think that was completely out of line. And like I said before, it's it's a time and a place for everything. I just thought this was not the right time or place. Yeah,
1: I'm really going to try to control myself and what I say because I, I want this podcast to be published. <laughs> <Exactly>. I think <laughs> yeah, what Carl did made me lose all respect for him oh, as yeah. a coach. I think mm-hmm. so many questions come about. Many people have even called him racist. People have called him... Um demonstrative, liar, the idea sexist, like what is a real man? There's all these questions that I really didn't think would come from him. And <sighs> coming at someone's manhood, I that's just,
0: that's something um I don't I don't
1: understand what made him want to do this. I get he's probably done coaching in the is done coaching in the NBA because I don't think I... anyone's gonna pick him up after this. And he realized this book is his last chance to make big money. So he wants to sell the copies. I think he got caught up, though, in the let me make content so that it sells because he maybe wasn't confident enough in it selling, and it really backfired. And maybe this
0: is what he really thinks, and if it is, I I condemn him for it. And and look what Mello said. He said uh, he took the high road and was like, you know, I hope he finds happiness, which... That's the right thing for Mello to do. You know, I bet you there's a bunch of things circuli- circulating in his mind that he wants to say. And um, I really, um, I'm proud of Melo the way he he handled it. Because the way, I'm I'm angry for Melo. The way he's coming at his character and his manhood. I just yeah. think it's not right. No, and- I
1: think Melo's really evolved off the court into someone who's really socially conscious, active. A, a real good role model, honestly. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Before we get to the next su- subject, though, Kenny Martin responded, too, on Twitter, though. But he was a little bit less... Uh, <laughs> Not eloquent, but maybe <laughs> tempered. He basically on our Twitter rant said, I didn't have a fra- father growing up. We all know that. What's George Carl's excuse for being a terrible person? Having a lot of wins doesn't make you a good coach. He was blessed with great talent. He it, it, it goes on and on. but definitely and he, and he's right, though. He's right. This book, and it hasn't even came out yet, which which I'm going to say Carl's going to get what he wants. He's going to sell a lot of copies of this book. I'm going to read it. A lot of people out there are going to read it. But my only question to him now is, at what expense? Because I think he's ruined his reputation amongst a lot of NBA. Maybe not a casual fan, but amongst the media, amongst players, amongst the NBA fraternity. I think Carl has stained his name and his legacy for the rest of his life, and that's very unfortunate.
0: It is unfortunate, and I agree 100% with with everything you just said. I think it's his last... That's his last opportunity to make some cash and the way he went about it was wrong but let's let's uh let's move on Hope to Hope it was worth it. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully he sells some copies and uh he can sleep at night better but let's transition a little bit to probably the biggest storyline in the NBA in Let's say, uh, let's say fifteen, twenty years. Oh no, you're being you're
1: being dramatic.
0: Sorry. No. no? This, as great as this is, it's no big. It's doesn't compare to I, LeBron's pursuit of a okay, championship, wait, hold
1: on. the Big Three in Miami. To even, I wouldn't
0: even say it's the biggest story on this year. I think
1: the see, Durant to the Warriors is a bigger story on this. Those, don't
0: get caught up in the hype. See, for those who don't know, we're about to talk about. We're talking about Westbrook and him averaging a triple double. Okay, and I just think the way he. The way he's playing basketball now. We already knew he played with a full a full head of steam. Amazing. He was persistent every play. He's going to be into you every play. He's probably the most aggressive player since since Kobe Bryant, honestly. They have the same kind of Mamba mentality in which Kobe has actually been on record for saying that about um Russell and even Michael Jordan, the person who uh gave him his shoe deal, gave him that uh, endorsement. Michael Jordan has um, praised him a bunch, saying that this guy's competitive edge is something we just haven't seen. And to counter what you're saying, I think this is probably one of the biggest storylines in the NBA in years. He aver- one he- of. He's averaging a triple-double. Yeah, I'll say top five. Listen, he ha- he's averaging a triple-double going into December. Look- and if he
1: finishes the entire season averaging it, then you can put a top five. But remember, we're still a couple months in. It's not already a top five.
0: You're right. Okay, so we'll give it some time cuz let's say he fizzles out and he and uh, his numbers drop a little bit. You're right. So let's let's see what he does the whole season. But for what I see with my eyes in the first uh 2 months of the season, this man is is doing something that hasn't been done since the big O, since big o, uh since Oscar Robertson and it's it's hard not to to look at it and say, "Hey, this is something that is we're going to remember for years to come." He's second in the league in assists and first in scoring right now and averaging 10 rebounds is something that Point guards just you don't see doing but like we talked about in the pre-production meeting he's basically like not a point guard it's 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 more like a hybrid position now that him and James Harden and um, a couple Yeah, I don't
1: I don't uh, consider him a point guard. And a,
0: yeah, and a couple other guys around the league are transitioning to this quote-unquote point guard and yet they they're 6'5, 6'4 built. I'm not saying like you have to be short to be a point guard but it's just the way they play the game is not the way uh, a point guard's supposed to play but nonetheless their numbers are up and their teams are winning and the fact that Russell Westbrook is—they have—he has the Thunder sitting in the playoffs right now. It's it's seventh it's seed, seventh seed, which you know it's not the best, and the way he plays the ball, his usage rate is the highest in the league. He's turning the ball over a lot. It's, but it's still something to see, man. It's we haven't seen it in years, and it's it's amazing. Well, me and you have never seen it. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, sure. yeah. Westbrook,
1: pound for pound, the second best player to ever put an NBA jersey on. The second, the first, the first being Nate Robinson. I'm sorry, that guy was five eight, winning yeah. dunk contest. I'm not saying player best player, pound I'm, for pound, athlete wise. being able to jump, run, the guy was five eight, playing in the NBA. You're right. No, you're right. I'm not gonna. I argue think with Westbrook's that. a way more talented player than oh, him. But 100 percent. He's averaging thirty. We want to compare it to Oscar Robinson, 1961-62 season, the only player to ever average a triple double. Yeah. So Westbrook right now is averaging 31.3 points. Robertson had 30.8 points. Mm-hmm. Westbrook has 10.5 rebounds per game. Robertson, 12.5. And then Westbrook, 10.8 assists per game so far. And, and Robertson, 11.4. So Robertson still had a better season than him. Now, I will say I'm more impressed because the era in which Westbrook plays. I'm sorry. As great as Robertson was, the NBA was not as talented as, <laughs> as, as, you, as it was back then. You're right. Then. You're so right. I, I, I'm, I'm but putting that aside. I think what Westbrook is doing is amazing. I think what he's doing is not sustainable for him. Do you know what I mean? I think that he's he's had some injuries, and I think this season he could definitely average a triple-double, and it'd be great. But if I'm looking at, as Westbrook's center of his council of advisement, I'm looking at his career seven years down the road, and I'm saying, can this style of play... Go on for the next eight years of your prime, can you do this for more than three hundred days and i don't know if that's the case, and so, as impressed as I am with him, all this effort he's putting out into still only has them at seventh in the west, and that can't continue so no. I want him to continue to do this. I think the most impressive thing you say the rebounds i don't think it's the rebounds. I think the way they develop their if you look at the way the thunder do their offense, they make it so that Westbrook gets rebounds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The big men go out and run quickly. The guards go out and run quickly so Westbrook can get the ball and move the ball up the court. But still, the assists is what I'm impressed about because they don't have much talent around him. Yeah. Scoring-wise, Old depot maybe, and they can, he can still get
0: 10 assists per game. That's what's surprising. And that's something that he's doing better than he's done his whole career, and which taking a page from Chris Paul's book in a way— as uh, that's Chris Paul's um, forte, you know, getting his teammates involved, making everyone around him better. Well, that's which, a point guard's job, exactly. Which Russell hasn't really done the best job throughout his career, but this year, like you said, they're not—they don't have the best people around him. They have Allen, Allen Anderson. They have um, Sabonis, who's a rookie. They got Cantor. They got Adams. They don't have, and they have Victor Oladipo also, who's um, who's a really good defender and can give you some things on offense. But to average eleven assists with that roster, it's amazing, and I just think that comes that comes um to play with um, the way the defenses are playing him. I, I'm just saying,
1: as, as impressive as he is, the Thunder are worse than they were last year. And for that reason, Thunder fans should not be caught up so much in this that they're blind, to that they need to get But that
0: it, that's going to happen when you lose uh, MVP. I mean, they lost Kevin Durant, so they're not the team that they were. But I, that doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs. Though. I'm just afraid of Westbrook's
1: performance, having people, or leading people to believe that they things are good now. Like, this is how we're going to be. No, the Thunder need to improve.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's they need another player, but... Two. Two. Which, um, I had this argument with my friend just to throw it out there really quickly. Um, Blake Griffin, in the last year of his contract, where is his hometown? Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah. No. So, <laughs> I don't know if you are asking me, you're like, dramatic pause. <laughs> <laughs> dramatic pause. That was dramatic pause. <laughs> so, um, last year of his contract, the Clippers don't want to lose him for, for nothing that we've seen in the NBA with Kevin Durant this past year. The Thunder lost one of the best players in the world for nothing. So... I'm hearing rumors around uh the league <laughs> that uh the Clips might be looking to move Blake come come February and that just going back to my point to circle back around. I think if they had another star with Russell, that's something that they'll probably be top 4 team in, in the west. But this is a quick stat I want to throw at you. That's why I had my phone out here. Um quickly. Russell Westbrook had f- uh he has 9 40 point 10 rebounds games. Uh, since 1985, that is the most by a point guard in history. The people behind him are Steph Curry with two and Magic Johnson with two. He has nine forty-point ten-rebound games, and that's the most since 1985 by a point guard. Yeah, I'm. Do we have time for that discussion about what is a point guard, James
1: Harden, that kind of stuff? Because yeah, let's let's yeah. Let's. let's I'll do, do it, it, it quickly. Okay, so I don't think Westbrook plays point guard. I maybe I'm old school. Call me old school. Call me ancient. Whatever. <laughs> I believe a point guard needs is like a quarterback of a team. Sets the offense up, passes the ball. What Westbrook and what Curry and what Harden are doing are amazing. Yeah, but this is not really a point guard. I think it's it's more like like kind of like how Miami was like in 2009 when Dwayne Wade was the only thing. Dwayne Wade would bring the ball up the court, but he wasn't their point guard. He was just their best player, and it's the best way. It's the quickest, most efficient way to get your best player the ball right away. You know what I mean? You don't have to worry yeah. about a pass. Someone Somewhere down the line, people realize, oh, let me just make the best player our point guard, and he can score. We don't have to worry about the point guard getting his ball. What's lost in that, I think, is that a player like Chris Paul, people forget the value of being a distributor, being a floor general. You can more easily elevate players around you, set them up. You know what I mean? I think yeah. as far as great as Westbrook has done, there's a reason they're seventh in the West is because – it's all on his shoulders. A great point guard sets up the team so it's equal distribution and that they can take over when it's needed to be, but they really have the goal first of getting the job
0: done as a team. Which Chris Paul does the best job in the league at that, which he gets his teammates involved every night. and with the abs- Which is why we both believe he's the best point guard in the oh, league. Oh, 100- yeah, definitely, 100%, without a doubt. He is the best point guard in the league. He might not be the best player and not playing the way James Harden and Russell are, but he's the best point guard in the league. But to continue on what you were saying about the, non- the non-point guard subject and James Harden, it's Dan Tony's system also that we got to talk about because if you look back at the Steve Nash era when he won those two MVPs and Amari Stoudemire playing in that system, their numbers are skyrocketing through the roof. I mean, Amari was averaging 25 and 12. I mean, uh, Nash was like 19 and 11, 12 every year, which you throw Harden in there and you got shooters around him. You got a, a decent cast. And that's why I think the numbers are translating to what they are. I mean, leads the league in assists. James Harden. Who would ever thought James Harden would lead the league in assists? A guy who is not known to be a passer whatsoever coming in to the league. Yeah, he can he can um make those those creative passes. I remember early with the Thunder, he was coming off the bench and make those play uh, playmaker-type plays. But he was never known as a passer. And th- for him to be averaging 11.5 assists and 28 points and the Rockets sitting fourth in the in the West, it's something... That is amazing, and I think he's a top MVP candidate. Man. I think,
1: well, I definitely agree with that. But I think that there's a there's a diff- the reason he gets so many assists. Not that he does not a good passer, but when you have the ball in your hand so much, you're bound to pick up some assists because you just pass it so much. There's a difference between getting assists though and creating points for other players, and that's what I want people listening to know the difference between a Chris Paul and say a Westbrook. Westbrook gets a lot of assists, and that's great. But I think what someone like Chris Paul does, and this is a lost art or becoming a lost art, someone like Chris Paul, or LeBron does—they create assists, they create shots for players, they create layups for players that
0: weren't there. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. And it's it, you're seeing that with James Harding, you're seeing that with Russell, and it's 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 amazing. And just to uh, the last kind of final thought on those two players who um, were all on the Thunder with Kevin Durant, also just to transition to the Warriors in a little bit. Those are my top two MVP candidates right now, Westbrook and Harden. Even though Westbrook is not winning as much, um, those are my top two guys. But let's talk about a guy who he's kind of familiar with, um, Russell and Harden. They're both really familiar with this guy, and I'm sure the whole NBA is after the splash he made this summer, and that's uh, Kevin Durant. I like that pun, splash. <laughs> you like that, right? That was good. That was good. See, I, I tried. You're a pro. I tried a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, just transition a little bit. This this is a team that went 24-0 last year, and um, – they're twenty six and four now. They uh, they're still the best team in the West, and people are are still kind of saying, "Hey, well, they won twenty four games last year. What's what's going on?" This team is going to probably be in the Western Conference Finals without a doubt, and I, I just think that Kevin Durant around Steph Curry, Draymond, and and Clay it's it's a, it's something that we're going to remember for years to come. And they're sitting right now top in the West. I don't see it changing, and. It's they're gonna make some noise come June and I'm I'm seeing I'm guessing that there's gonna be another trilogy. The the trilogy, Cavs versus Warriors. What do you think? I think the Warriors, though their record is worse than last year, they're a better team than last year. Only because they
1: have one thing now that they did not have last year. Kevin Durant.
0: Well, 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 well yeah. That's
1: else? true. But I think it's more about what Kevin Durant is, and that's a surefire superstar that can take care of you on every aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. I've gone on this rant before. I'm not going to continue it. People have heard me say this. As great as Steph Curry is, as great as Clay Thompson is, as great as Draymond Green is, they're not all well-rounded enough superstars to be able to do what a LeBron, in my opinion, a Kevin Durant, a Kobe, with a Westbrook, a Harden, what those guys do. I think they really play well off each other and play to each other's strengths. What's dangerous about the Warriors this year, and it didn't happen last year is that they now have a guy that they can rely on no matter what. Kevin Durant's the alpha dog of this team. Yeah, you think so? Easily. Easily. Two time MVP
0: dog. on that team, Steph Curry. He's got more MVPs than that. And them.
1: he won't ever win an MVP again because this is Durant's team and it's very obvious. This has been a quicker transition than when LeBron went to Miami. Yeah. Nothing to say bad about this. This is what I think Curry's actually probably a better fit for. Mm-hmm. What the argument is is that to get Durant, they had to gut their bench, right? Yeah. And they really don't have deep roster, Bogut's gone, all that kind of stuff. Lost
0: spades also. More yeah.
1: Spades. What I would say, though, is that I think the Warriors made a great decision in signing Durant, even though they changed their team. Because that team, regardless, wasn't going to be as good as they were last year. Every year brings on age. Who would have thought? And I think that if they didn't... Mm-hmm. Devin, Kevin Durant gives them a future for eight years. That team would have been looking to change in about three.
0: Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more. That is... The signing Durant was a hundred percent the right decision. They got another shooter, they got another MVP on that team, and uh it's something that Although they, they won't be able to beat the Cavs in the you, in See, the like I'm I was gonna when we get to our finals prediction segment uh, briefly at the end, I was actually gonna say that it is gonna be the trilogy, but I don't see the Warriors beating the Cavs right now, even though the record might say otherwise and they got the superstars on their team, but it's a different animal come June. And we were talking about this before the show. LeBron's about championships now. Nothing matters but championships. He's preserving preserving his body to the point where come come the playoffs, he's going to be ready to give this team everything he's got. And everyone's talking about the Warriors, oh they're this and that. They went seventy-three and nine. They got Kevin Durant and I'm not saying the ego is gonna come into play for LeBron, but the fact that they got the, the last two MVPs on their team and all this this uh attention surrounding them. I think he will kind of take it a little personally come June when when they face them this time around. So it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. And just to uh, to carry on the point that you were saying about the Draymond Green, Clay Thompson and Curry around Durant, I think that in a way Steph is going to start to realize that this not it's not the best thing for for him um in his prime, you know what I'm trying I'm, I'm what am I trying to say? It's like he's playing with Kevin Durant in the time where he he's coming off two MVPs. And I'm not saying he's complaining that he's, his numbers aren't the same, uh, this and that. But I think he's going to start to realize down the road, two years from now, let's say after they, let's say they lose in the finals two times in a row, he he might he might want to look elsewhere. What do you think? You think Curry will leave? I think so. Um, I agree. That's
1: kind of a hot take I have that people don't believe either. I've, i you didn't know that either, but you know I believe exactly that. This I is think Durant's he, team, and and Curry. Yeah, they're not going to win this year. They don't have enough. Uh, protection down low. They're not big enough down low. LeBron and Thompson and Kyrie are going to destroy that's them. That's their
0: biggest weakness is no big men.
1: And that's the reason they lost the finals the this past finals and they didn't know how to fix that. Yeah. So that's why I still think they won't be able to beat the Cavs. I think you're exactly right is that something's going to have to change. This team can't stay together forever. And it's going to change so. as fast as it was assembled. Somebody has to go and I honestly think that... Um, it won't be Green because Green's not good enough to be a superstar on his, on
0: his own, and it's going to end
1: up being either Clay Thompson or, or Steph Curry.
0: I think two years from now, when we um, when we look at this Warriors team, I think that's exactly right. One of the, something's got to go, and be- between me and you and whoever's listening, um, it's I think it'll be Steph. Not saying like they, like they're twenty six and four. I mean, they're winning games and Steph. Although
1: although they may not get rid of Steph just because of a marketing thing, he's
0: more. Marketable. Yeah.
1: He's more identifiable with the Warriors, even though Thompson may fit better for them, you know? Yeah. We'll see.
0: It's kind of a hot take. But let's uh being the holiday season, let's uh let's transition to Christmas Day. It's uh I love Christmas Day, man. Sitting down in front of the T V with the uh, five games on. you got the twelve o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock, eight o'clock, ten thirty game. So you're, it's uh. Oh wait, I just got some breaking news on my phone. We don't
1: really need to talk about this, but the NFL, the NBA just ratified its uh, players. Oh, collect the bargaining agreement. Bargaining agreement. So there will not be a lockout coming. Oh,
0: thank God. Remember that 2010-11 season? It was sad when yeah. there was only like fifty games. Like, oh, that was the first year with the Heat. I think. Yeah. Right? With, um, yeah. Um, the th- with the big three, was that the first year?
1: Uh, I forget now. I think it might have been.
0: 2011. I but, forget.
1: It, regardless,
0: it just we're not going to have a lockout this God, year. Thank God.
1: Thank God because that was a... <laughs> Didn't mean to sidetrack you. Yeah, I just wanted to say no, that. No, no problem, man. Let's, All right,
0: going with Christmas Day. It's NBA, so it's NBA news. I'm glad that there's not going to be a lockout. We love basketball here. <laughs> um, yeah, Christmas Day. Let's start with the Knicks in uh, Boston, the 12 o'clock game. Uh, it's going to be a good one. You know, Kristaps was in the gym early this morning. I seen on the Knicks um, PR uh, Twitter account that uh, they're posting a picture of him uh, working out, getting ready for for Christmas. Uh, who do you think is going to win that one? I
1: think the Knicks. I think they're really good at home. They have a winning record at home. And I think they're a team that really knows how to play well on big stages, which is something they haven't been able to do in the past. And I look to see a big game not necessarily from Kristoff, but definitely from Melo. And side note, my favorite thing about Christmas Day games, besides having games on Christmas, are the jerseys. Oh, oh, they're always beautiful. Yeah. I don't love them this year. I like sleeve jerseys, but regardless, I think they're beautiful. Oh, and yeah. I love
0: that always. I the Christmas Day jerseys are I actually have the one I have the Clippers Chris Paul one from two years ago, and really festive you know it's it's pretty. Well, it's, it's whenever, pretty
1: interesting. especially in a game that's eighty two se- eighty two games long, anytime you can create an event, a game into an event, Christmas Day, Christmas Day jerseys, mm-hmm. it's it just makes it more meaningful and awesome for, as a fan. See, you know? like
0: for as long as I can remember, uh, Christmas Day has been the NBA's day. You know, Thanksgiving has been the NFL, and Christmas Day you have basketball, and I'm a big basketball guy. So are you? So. I love it. You know, get your Christmas meal, sit in front of the TV. But uh don't have too much time here. Let's continue on. Do you with have the Knicks winning? Oh yeah, my fault. I gotta get my opinion. Uh, Knicks. I got the Knicks beating the Celtics. Even though Isaiah Thomas is um he's balling out, man. He's averaging like twenty six points a game. At five eight. Five eight, averaging twenty six points, eight assists. Who uh I like lo- I like him a lot. I'm big on Isaiah Thomas, man. He's got that pit bull mentality. I like him. I don't think he's the most efficient scorer. No. I wouldn't I
1: wouldn't wrap my team around him I wouldn't build them around him but you're right for what he the position he's in and at his size especially And who knows? Very impressive.
0: Who knows Boston can make some noise come come playoff time there's um, there uh, Yeah, they, they
1: they probably will but that's not because of how great they are the East, <coughs> the East is kind of
0: But yeah, I I got I got the Knicks on uh the matinee game taking that one against the Celtics but the 2:30 game which everyone has been looking forward to since uh June is a Warriors at Cavs with the rematch of uh? Although of JR, the finals. oh he broke his hand, he's out JR for four months. JR won't be in it,
1: and JR was a big deal during the finals last year.
0: Oh yeah, man, we got to talk about that today. Um, man. He he broke his hand; he'll be out three or four months. That's gonna be tough, and the Warriors are in Cleveland, so it's not like uh. It's not like the war it's not like the Cavs are going to Oakland so I think they could still win the game. Oh, I still think they will win just for the reason you we think talked so? about earlier. Yeah, I think it will be a
1: closer game than it will be in the finals just because there's a difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball. Less physical in the regular season, open more open for shooters plays towards the Warriors strengths. So I won't be surprised if they win. I just feel like you talk about LeBron sitting back and kind of helping. Preserving his body a little bit. Yeah, and also helping develop Kyrie and Love, making them feel more comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. I really think LeBron, though, will relish in the idea of not being able to take, will also being able to take out Durant, but also the Warriors again. Look for a big game from him.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm with you on that. I think LeBron's going to have a triple-double. That's my prediction for Christmas Day. Uh, Quadruple-double. Oh, wow. Just imagine. We haven't <laughs> seen one since um, Hakeem, the dream, in 94 or Look 90 at that five, basketball knowledge. Well, that's impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. man. I got uh, I got some knowledge up in there. <laughs> but, yeah, I got the Cavs, man. And especially without JR and that, that stretch of games that he's going to be out for those couple months. Look for Kyrie, Kevin Love. And um, LeBron's numbers just to go up. Hey, Amon Shumpert too will become oh. a, will get a bigger role. Who I love, I love Amon Shumpert for what he is. People, people like they like to bash him a little bit because he can't shoot the ball as well as a, as other two guards in the league. But his defense is something you don't you don't see a lot. So no. I would love to have that at my wing uh, if I'm a GM. But let's move on to the five o'clock game, and that's the Bulls at Spurs. That's, a, that's an interesting one. I mean, the Bulls are kind of. Middle of the pack in the East. Five
1: hundred. They just got yeah. booed off their own, and you know that thing that Dwayne Wade got mad. Uh, the Bulls fans booed them. Dwayne Wade's. Like, I don't think we deserve to be booed. It's kind of a little contentious in, in Chicago right now. It
0: is a little bit, and who knows? Maybe he'll he'll join uh LeBron with the absence of a shooting guard with Jr. out.
1: Oh, I've I've predicted beginning of the season well, that D Wade's going to get traded. He's going to get traded. Like, he always wanted to, but the money
0: wise, they got to they got to clear up some some space. I mean, who knows? Anything can happen at the trade deadline, but. I got I this one's pretty easy for me. I, I got the Spurs winning this one. In a blowout. In a blowout. I was gonna say probably fifteen, twenty points. It's uh you know, Greg Popovich system, it's hard to beat them. And I got the Spurs in this one. Who you got Spurs, you said? Yeah. All right. Let's, again. let's move on. This one the next next game is uh, pretty interesting, man. It's got the young, feisty bunch with the Timberwolves with a bunch of young talent with the uh, Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins. Going to be one of the best teams in the league in three years. My prediction to Christian Goey when um we were both bull- we were BSing the other day. I was about to curse on air. <laughs> we were BSing the other day that I think the Timberwolves will be a title contender in five years with that young core. But not this year. <laughs> they're uh, nineteen they're nine and nineteen, going against the Thunder on Christmas Day. You know, Russell Westbrook relishes those moments when he's uh in front of the spotlight. I think uh probably see a triple double, which is uh Kind of on the regular for Russell now. I can see the Thunder winning this one. In a close one, it's not going to be a blowout. Like I said, the Timberwolves—they uh, they're a feisty bunch. They don't get blown out. Their point differential isn't through the roof, even though they're ten games below five hundred. So I can uh, I can see this uh, being a close game, but I got the Thunder winning it.
1: Yeah, it'll be close, but the Thunder will edge them <laughs> out. I agree with you. Although Thibodeau, we don't think it's, I don't think he's the right coach for that uh, Timberwolves team. Like, no? if your goal is to develop young players, he's too hard of a play style. It's good for the moment, but not at what the Timberwolves are, and that's they're still trying to develop those players. They're good. He's a good coach if you already have an established team with superstars. You know what I, I mean? I like they were with Chicago a couple of years ago. Exactly. I don't think his coaching style is good for development of play. The, the development of players, which is why he
0: probably left Chicago
1: when he did. Anyways,
0: mm. he'll help them on the defensive end, but I agree with your point that he's not the type of coach you look to to develop three players who are all under twenty one years old. Yeah. Which which is uh it's interesting, interesting to say at least. But let's move on to uh the last day uh, the last Christmas Day game as the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers face the Los Angeles Lakers in the Staples center. I mean, you already know where I'm at on this one. I'm a big Chris Paul guy. Uh with the absence of Blake Griffin, I just see Chris Paul numbers going up in the absence. I see twenty and ten numbers in the month he'll be out uh, the Lakers, similar to Timberwolves, they're a young, feisty bunch. Uh, I love that little less phrase. Less potential. Yeah, the less potential, definitely. But they do—they got some pieces there. Uh, easy one for me. Clippers are going to win this one uh, by ten. What do you think?
1: I think you're right. The Clippers are going to win. Though I will say the Lakers have become one of my favorite league pass teams, as in the team that I just like to watch if they're on because they're not necessarily that good. But D'Angelo Russell's a fun player to watch. He's developed into a pretty good player and we hope that he's going somewhere. Ingram got banged
0: up a little bit, but the, this early in the season.
1: No, yeah, but I just I, I think Ingram once he puts some weight on and a couple years of experience will be a great player. Um Randall has shown that he definitely was worth the pick that they took him at. Yeah. I think that they're just a fun team to watch. Yeah. Uh maybe not good, but entertaining and in the NBA, if you're not good, at least you're entertaining.
0: Exactly. And they got the sixth man of the year half uh so Lou far, Williams. Lou Williams. He's averaging close to 20 points a game. He's without a doubt the sixth man of the year this year. So you know what? He's a he's a vet. You know, can show the young guys the ropes a little bit. But that's the although that, I
1: wouldn't I wouldn't want to mock his play style <laughs> as great as he is. Shooting the ball after fading
0: five feet to your left isn't necessarily yeah, the most efficient. Of and shots. shooting forty percent is not really the best either. But, but good job for him. Exactly. You know, he's averaging nineteen points a game on a team that's uh, probably not going to make the playoffs. But that's the slate of Christmas Day games. We're running out of time here. I want to definitely uh, hit on MV- quick MVP predictions and quick finals predictions as uh, we sit here, as we almost turn the calendar to 2017. I'm going to go first, Read. Um, we talked about this in a little bit before the show. Right now, my MVP is James Harden, and I know you preseason had him as your um, MVP as well. But just being top five in scoring and assist, well, actually leading the league in assist and top five in scoring, and sitting fourth in a really competitive Western Conference, I got what uh, James Hart as my MVP right now.
1: Um, Yeah, it's between him and Westbrook. If Westbrook ends up averaging the tri- triple-double, I don't think he cannot lose it. What if he can- averages triple-double in April and, like, it's The season's about to conclude. He's going to get He's it. He's going to get it. Yeah. But if it's neck and neck and he maybe is a sister rebound shy of that triple double, it's going to go down to team success. And I think the Rockets in the end are going to be a better team. And that's why Harden will eventually get it.
0: That's why I think Harden will get it also because they'll be top three. Because how can in you be West? an
1: MVP of the league if your team's not a top five
0: seed in the playoffs? You know? Exactly. Even if it's in the West. Exactly. So I'm, I'm right with you on that. James Harden's my MVP. As uh, we approach Christmas, as for the finals prediction, um, it might sound a little uh, cliche because... But it's th- correct. But every journalist probably in the NBA has got it right now. I got the trilogy, round three of uh, Cavaliers versus um, the Warriors. I got the Cavs right now in seven, just how it was uh, last year. But this time, uh, it's going to be much more harder, uh, harder to say the least, with um, with uh, KD and Steph. But right now, Cavs, I got them going back to back. I have Cavs and six. Well there you go. There you go. So uh, it was a great show, Reed. It was the best. <laughs> the Tremendous. best. Well I was very uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to talk some sports with you man around this holiday season always and um, you know what this was a great show. I'm Tyler Friere alongside Reed Horner. This was Pick and Pod and uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys and uh, we'll see you again uh, next week.
1: Don't next time.